Hello and welcome to Last Guys Off the Bench. My name is Josh King and I am here with my co-host Darcy Fraley. Darcy, we are back. We are here for our second episode, which means that episode one was not a fluke. Why don't you tell the people uh, who are joining us for the first time a little bit about who we are and why we're here. Sure. So as Josh said, we're the last guys off the bench. Uh, we're going to be talking NBA basketball. And if you missed episode one, make sure you check us out at iTunes where we talked about potential moves that could happen at the NBA trade deadline. This episode, we'll be doing a recap of the NBA trade deadline. Just so you know, we're recording this on Monday, February 12th. And away we go! Alright, so this trade deadline was crazy as expected as it always is. It was pretty quiet as the day started this past Thursday, but very quickly the entire league got pretty shaken up. More so than the entire league, the Cavaliers got pretty shaken up as they made a ton of moves. Yeah, so the Cavs actually dumped out their toy chest and decided to throw away a bunch of toys and got a few other ones back in return. A little, a little newer, a few newer toys. Um, so the Cavs, they traded away Isaiah Thomas as an expiring contract, not the Isaiah Thomas that we have come to know and love. Um, from the Celtics, as well as Channing Fry, their own first-round pick, and in return they've received Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. from the Los Angeles Lakers. In a separate deal, they made a three-team deal with the Jazz in Sacramento, sending out Derrick Rose, who is not the Derrick Rose that we knew with the Chicago Bulls, but is a very different Derrick Rose, and Jay Crowder, who is not the Jay Crowder we knew with the Boston <laughs> Celtics, uh, to the Utah Jazz, as well as sending out Iman Shumpert in the second-round pick, and Cash to the Kings, because the Kings love Cash. And they received Rodney Hood from the Utah Jazz and George Hill. They've also traded away, again, they just are trading everybody away here, uh, Dwayne Wade to the Miami Heat for a heavily protected second-round pick. They did this as a courtesy to Dwayne Wade. They went to him and asked him if, you know, did you want to stay and be a part of this team and not play as many minutes as we get a lot of these younger guys, or did you want to go back to the Heat? And he chose to go back to the Heat. Really happy that he's there. Really cool for Dwayne Wade. Very excited to see him finish out his career with the team that he started with. See him finish out his career with a team that he led to the finals and led to three mm-hmm. finals trophies. So it's gonna be it's gonna be great for Dwayne Wade. Very yeah. happy for him. Shouts out to Dwayne Wade. Absolutely. Shouts out to Dwayne Wade. Proud of you. Uh, and he should have never left. Uh, Pat Riley wouldn't give him the money that he wanted. So it's ironic that now he's back in Miami for a minimum contract. For a minimum contract. <laughs> so Pat's happy. Dwayne's happy. I'm sure Eric Spolstra and that roster is happy. It's the exact same roster that he left before. Just way better and way more advanced. <laughs> just <laughs> just a, a, little, a little more experienced. And, um, they're integrating Glenway back in, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see. And I think he's only going to have a positive impact on that team, both as a veteran leader and as somebody on the court, just giving them a little boost. What's, what's pretty interesting in my head at first glance of this trade is that heading into the deadline, Everyone around the league knew that the Cavs were basically unfixable. We said last week in the pod that the Cavs were just the dumpster fire of the league. They were the team that was falling most quickly in the league. They basically seemed like they couldn't do anything to fix it. And oddly enough, Kobe Altman, the GM of the Cavs, actually either agreed with those takes or listened <laughs> to those takes around the league and was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to blow this shit up. Uh, and it's really cool to see a, a GM actually respond like that and not just be stuck with this crappy team and kind of be stubborn in trying to make this thing work that just wasn't going to. I'm happy to see that they decided to actually push their chips in and make a run at this again and make their team viable without hurting a lot of their long-term flexibility. I mean, they definitely added some cap room that goes a little it might go past this year. Beyond George Hill, I think this trade is excellent for them. Trades. 
So the big thing with this move, uh, in terms of the cap space, like you just said, with or without LeBron next year, the Cavs already weren't going to have cap space. They were not going to be a player in the free agent market. They were going to be strapped no matter what. And they basically just doubled down with that. And they took on more money knowing that it wouldn't actually change their place at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. And, and none they, of those players are bad. Yeah. All those players are good players. Jordan right. Clarkson, Ronnie Hood, uh, again, George Hill, Larry Nance Jr. Yeah. They're all young. They're well, gonna, George Hill's not. But. George Hill's not. But it's going to be it's gonna be a great move for the Cavs. Absolutely. They got Like you said, they got a lot younger. They have a lot more flexibility, I think, moving forward. Because those pieces could be moved. Um, maybe not to get a first-round pick back, but they could easily move those contracts if they didn't want to pay a luxury tax next year if LeBron left. But after watching them play on Sunday, and I don't want to overreact, but that team looks like they're having fun, and they're going to enjoy playing together. And I could see that team without LeBron James and Kevin Love staying, being a really fun team to watch in the East. This move is definitely something that impacts the Cavs positively now and in the future. Mm -hmm. It gives them a vision if LeBron does choose to move on with the Cavaliers. They're just completely different. It's they, crazy that they were able to like completely overhaul their team when everyone was like, what the fuck are they going to do? What can they do? Are they going to trade DeAndre for the Brooklyn pick? And, and in fact, they kept the Brooklyn pick after all that. And they, didn't, they don't have DeAndre, although they, in, they were in talks with him to, or with the Clippers to see if they could get him. Um, it's fascinating to me that they kept the pick. They didn't take on any terrible contracts. They didn't take on any expiring contracts that were just going to walk away. Yep. They got good players in return. People that they could actually develop if LeBron were to leave. Or if he stays, he could help develop them. One of the craziest stats in that I've just read is just the age difference between the players that <laughs> uh, left the Cavs and the players that came in. The six key players, the key rotational players that the Cavs parted with had an average age of over 30 years old. And the four players they brought in return have an average age of 26 and a half years old. Mm. And George Hill actually skyrockets that average up because Rodney Hood, Larry Nance Jr., and Jordan Clarkson are all 25. So to go to go from six guys who are over 30 to three guys who are 25, that's that's incredible. And George Hill, although he is 31, although he's obviously not quite as athletically inclined as he used to be, he is still a incredible upgrade from Isaiah Thomas, who was playing point for them. Dude, if he can stay healthy, season. he's, he's going to be such a great addition. If he can be what he was with the Utah Jazz just a year ago. I mean, he went to Sacramento to get paid. Don't blame him. Good for you, George. I don't know why you were surprised that you were going to be disappointed in Sacramento. <laughs> like, they signed Vince Carter and Zach Randolph. If that would have been a great move five years ago or ten years ago. George, what were you thinking? I understand, but like I'm happy he's on a good team now. I remember I remember when George Hill decided to sign with Sacramento though. <laughs> the the management team in Sacramento basically sold George Hill on the fact that the Kings could actually be contenders. <laughs> like they that was actually part of the deal that they pitched, and George Hill actually bought into that. Yeah. And it's crazy that he thought a team whose first option was Zach Randolph was actually going to be able to advance the playoffs. You know if you think if George Hill, if you're listening to this, which I know you're not, if you're out there, dude, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> Are you mentally unstable? Are you up there with Ron Artest? Like this team was terrible, and you like they're young. They're of course they're going to be terrible. You know that he was there. I thought to be a veteran leader. He did a poor job of that. Um, so I'm happy that he's in a place where I think he's going to be happier. Again, he was great with the Jazz, great with the Pacers, great with the Spurs. I mean, this guy can flat out play when he's healthy. If he can play more than 60 games in a season, he's worth the money he's worth. Like, he's worth that contract. But Especially with the experience that he has. He has a ton of experience to help propel some of these young guys alongside LeBron yeah. and Tristan Thompson and Corver and Love and the rest of the Cavs roster who have experience. Mm-hmm. 
George Hill adds to that experience. Uh, and it's really going to just help out the team in the Absolutely. long run. And you could see the instant rapport that LeBron... Well, LeBron was felt comfortable with him next to him. Um, he felt comfortable having George bring the ball up. He felt comfortable doing screen and rolls with George. Um, so it was a lot of fun to see him interact with him. And George Hill felt comfortable with the rest of the team, with, with Rodney Hood, with or le- the rest of the newcomers, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. I mean, it was a lot of fun to see them play on Sunday. I hope they keep that energy up. How much of a game did you watch on Sunday? Uh, all of it. Nice. I tuned in for like the second half, and I wasn't able to see the first half, but I was immediately just very impressed with yeah. how this new look actually paid off for the roster. And, um, and I, I'll tell you what, for Boston, you got to shake it off. It's just one game, and I understand that's the mentality you have to have. The Cavs looked really scary against them. They, um, they and, held... and the Celtics should... You know Brad Stevens is going to make adjustments. He's a way better coach than Tyron Lue. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think he's a better coach than LeBron James, but it's probably close. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think they're going to make adjustments. It's going to be fine. I don't want to overreact. But it was, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward because that team gave up a lot of points to that Cavaliers team in that first half. 65 or 64 points. That was, I think it was the most this season for the Celtics. So I'm sure they'll strap down. I'm sure it'll be a lot better. It'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. I'd be a little scared if I was them. Cavs also held the Celtics to under 100 points, mm-hmm. which, again, for a Cavs team that let up a record 149 points, the Thunder, like two, three weeks ago. Yeah, they were stuck in 77. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, 99 points for the Cavs yeah. for their opposing team is a big deal. Hill, Clarkson, Nance, and Hood, all these newcomers for the Cavaliers combined for 49 points against the Celtics. The entire team looked energized. The entire team looked happy. It looked like they were having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw... I mean, tons of clips of just the entire bench for the Cavaliers going crazy against the Celtics. Whereas <laughs> Kevin Love with his, uh, with his <laughs> cast on, just like going fucking bonkers like he was on uh, Mount St. Mary's last year on the bench for the tournament. That was awesome. I saw other videos just of, again, like two weeks ago with this old Cavs team. Uh, there was one night where LeBron had a couple of really clutch blocks, just a classic LeBron block um, from behind. Mm. And... Camera zoomed in on the Cavs bench on the crowd. Yeah, so many there's, times. There's no crazy. reaction. Yeah. There's literally no reaction yes. to any of these huge plays happening. And now the bench is actually like engaged and active. And yeah. and that, that says a lot about team chemistry. That says a lot about what you can expect from a team yeah. moving forward into the season. Well, and it was clear that Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder weren't fitting in with the Cavs and weren't fitting in with the culture. And I can only imagine what it was like for them coming from the Boston Celtics, who probably have one of the more stable organizations in the NBA. And one of the best great coach. Yeah, I mean, you're not the you can argue that an upgrade is available in Miami and San Antonio, but there's not many other places you can argue that. Like Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach and you downgraded and then you're with LeBron James who brings this whole circus. He needs all the attention and he deserves all the attention. He's the best player in the world. He's the best player in the world. Um, but he takes a lot of attention away from those other people and I mean, you saw the comments that Isaiah Thomas is putting out for the past couple weeks. Um, Jake Crowder wasn't saying much, but he sure as hell wasn't doing much on the court either. So <laughs> I'm happy to see both of those players gone from that team. Hopefully they have a good fresh start wherever they are right now. A couple of the observations from that Celtics-Cavs game on Sunday. Cavaliers' new young win players actually were staying with the ball and staying in front of the shooter yeah, on it's defense. Weird to see somebody play defense. Instead of just like so standing weird. back in the paint and letting guys yeah. have any shot that they wanted. That really took me off guard. Um, <laughs> it wasn't I, an all-star game all of a sudden. <laughs> it wasn't. Know? It was crazy. The entire team was energized. It wasn't just LeBron. Kyle Korver was playmaking and like yeah. doing things on his own. He had a nice little two, two-man two game with a give-and-go with Nance a couple of times. Dude, shouts to Ashton Kutcher's brother, man. He's <laughs> like, he's play- like, I love Kyle Korver. He was a sixer. So, I mean, it goes, it goes way back for me. 
But he was so fun to watch when he was a Sixer, so fun to watch when he was a Hawk. I'm really happy to see him. You know, he really gels with LeBron. I know I've, I've seen interviews and read articles where LeBron's praised Kyle Korver, and that's one of the reasons they signed him again. I know he's really old, but he makes the right play. He does the right thing. He's in the right spot. He, sometimes he can't do anything about it, but he's, <laughs> but there. he's there. You yeah. know, and he's a great team defender. He's just, he's a good team guy. Yeah, so I'm happy to see him succeeding in, in the playmaking with Larry Nance. Tristan Thompson also kind of looked like Tristan Thompson yeah, a little bit. Effort. Man, he started, he started the game four there? for five. Yeah. Um, in the first half, he contested shots when Jason Tatum was going to the room. He blocked Jason Tatum at one point. He just looked very different. He wasn't yeah. quite at the level that he was two, three years ago when the Cavs were really competing with these Warriors for the first time in the finals. But... But he looked he looked different, yeah. and I wonder if that's going to continue. I wonder I, so. I wonder if maybe maybe Larry Nance Jr. and the competition that that'll give Tristan will yeah, kind of well, kind of bring him up a little have. bit. Yeah. yeah, no, but I think I mean that if they play that way, day night in and night out, they're going to compete with anybody. And I mean, and I include the Warriors there. I don't, of course, the Warriors are the favorites. If the Rockets come out, the Rockets are the favorites. But if this team plays like that and they play hard, they have the personnel to be able to switch on screens be able to switch with anybody across the league. Like, I mean, Larry Nance can at least stay with somebody for a possession. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a really deep team there. So I think they're moving in the right direction. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that works with them. I also just want to give one more shout-out. J.R. Smith was balling. Um, <laughs> he was being reckless as hell, and he was taking awful shots that were going in. It was basically the classic J.R. Smith moments that we have come to love and expect mm-hmm. from him. So again, I'm just really hoping that him and Tristan Thompson both will set aside the shitty season that they've had yeah. so far and really just get back to their old selves. Tell you what, I hope they do, and I hope they play really well going into the playoffs, and if they make the finals, I hope they play really well. And then I hope the Cavs trade their asses as soon as they can <laughs> for whatever they can get because those contracts are really bad. Even if they're playing at the level that you can expect them to play at, which they haven't been, you should move off of those. <laughs> but it's still so early. We're it's reacting. So early, yeah. All these takes, all these reactions are after one game with this yeah. new roster. Absolutely. No one should be saying that the Cavs are finally going to be able to compete with the Warriors. No one no one should be should yeah. be having these crazy um, just expectations for what the Cavs can do moving forward because we haven't seen much of anything. Absolutely. And they still don't have Kevin Love. I mean, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited. This especially with this young crew. If you have if you put Love at the five, Nance at the four, or vice versa, LeBron and Clarkson and Hood or whoever you want to throw out there. Probably Dylan Hill would be there. Yeah, I mean, I think that team will be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and you have Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, which is which was perfect for him. I mean, he can play make. He can he can do everything. He shoots really well. One of the things I'm really excited to see with Clarkson is that in his time with LA, particularly recently, he was forced to really just make a lot of his own things happen on offense. Mm-hmm. He had to create a lot of shots for himself. And although he's still going to be able to do that with the Cavs, I'm excited for him to actually have players around him that can create space for him mm-hmm. and give him some more easier opportunities to score the basket. I think that's going to pay huge dividends for him. Absolutely. I think his, his efficiency and his shooting yeah. assumingly should uptick. Across the board, it should go up. Yeah, I'd be shocked if it doesn't. T- uh, tell us about your boy, Osman. So I have a little bit of a fascination with Jetty Osman. Joe Harris 2.0. Joe Harris 2.0. Yeah. Jetty Osman reminds me of the last Cleveland Cavalier folk hero, Delvadova uh, put the team on his back, uh, put himself in the hospital because he was guarding Steph Curry so hard, and he instantly became a classic Cavalier. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm kind of feeling those same things with Jetty Osman. Uh, and I have this theory that he might have sparked this youth movement and this um, influx of youth talent for the Cavaliers. You know what's funny is every, I feel like every year or every other year, or at least for, since LeBron has been back, they have these people on their bench and they never <laughs> fucking play them. If you look at Joe Harris on the Nets right now, <laughs> the Cavs had him. They drafted him. He's better, I think, at least right now, than Osman. They could have had him. And that's what drives me nuts. And I'm, I'm so happy for Osman. I'm so happy Tyrone Lue was like, oh, let's play this fucking young guy who actually wants to try. He's play- He actually plays defense. You can he actually can sh- move. He moves. It's <laughs> weird, right? It's like he's moving side to side in ways Derrick Rose hasn't been able to do since he played at Memphis. In ways Isaiah Thomas has never been able to do. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah Thomas is always stuck in quick stand on defense, which is so funny. He's quick as he's so quick, but he can't stay in front of anybody. Well, Os- Osmond exploded in that uh, Minnesota game when LeBron hit a quote, game unquote, exploded, quote unquote exploded uh, when LeBron hit a game winning shot over Jimmy Butler in overtime. It was a classic LeBron moment. It was a uh, it was his fifth last second buzzer beater for a win in his career. And it was it was really great. And again, LeBron bodied out Jimmy Butler, which yeah. I would never think anyone could do because Jimmy Butler's a tank. And he just bodied him out and created space for this easy shot for the win. And it was beautiful. But Osman played a key role in that game to get them there. And I just really think that the entire Cavs management team, Ty Lue and Kobe Altman, were like watching Osman play. And we're like, oh, this is what a team should be like. And it's tough to know if you don't practice. So <laughs> they finally put him in the fucking game, and you could actually see. So it's really good to see. I mean, he's he's a good kid, and I I hope I'm, I wish for the best for him, man. Crazy Osmond takes aside. He is going to help be one of the youth anchors for Absolutely. this Cavs team. He's not going to disappear because Clarkson and Hood and Nance are here. He's going to keep playing and keep performing for the Cavs. He's not going to necessarily just be an all-star player or anything, but he's, he's going to contribute so in some know. solid ways. So looking he's forward. 22 years old. He's really young. It's yeah. a rookie season. Rookie season. He's playing great. Out of well, Didn't he come from Turkey? or Turkey. Yeah. like Good for him, man. I'm so happy he's getting some playing time. He passes the eye test. That's the, the big pass, thing. Yeah. Stats, won't, stats won't be there throughout the season, but I feel like when he's on the floor, you're going to be able to see him and know that he is a very serviceable and reliable player. Absolutely. Darcy, you mind if we talk about Isaiah Thomas for a second? Let's do it. I am fascinated with Isaiah Thomas at the moment. I think the rise and fall of Isaiah Thomas is one of the craziest things that is going on in the NBA right now. It's insane. Last season, Isaiah Thomas was an MVP candidate. He was top five in MVP voting, and he had one of the most efficient offensive seasons <laughs> all time in NBA history. His efficiency numbers, his, his percentages from the floor were unreal. Uh, he was incredible last year. He was beloved by an entire city. He was beloved by an entire fan base in Boston. And he put an entire franchise on his back, carried Boston to the conference finals uh, in the East, where they ended up losing to LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Uh, but despite that loss, Thomas kind of cemented himself as one of the one of the best Lakers of all time. At least he would cement himself as one of the most beloved Lakers of all time. Celtics. Oh, Celtics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he cemented himself as one of the best Celtics of all time. But now everything is flipped for him. As a result of putting the team on his back the way he did, he fought through injuries last year, and his career may have been jeopardized because of those injuries. He may never return to the same form. At his best, he played incredibly recklessly, and he just really put his body out there. But that's how he scored. That's how he was able to contribute on the court. That's how he was able to have this crazy season that he did last year. 
Danny Age and Boston were not willing to commit to Isaiah. They weren't willing to commit to that recklessness. They didn't necessarily believe in him, so they traded him for Kyrie. Still can't believe that Kyrie Irving was on the trade block to begin with, but that's just another discussion in general. <laughs> now he was on a new team with Cleveland, and he was unable to play for the first half of the season because of his hip injury. He came back too soon. He started controlling the ball like he was MVP. He started talking in the locker room and to the media like he was MVP candidate. He acted like he was still the same incredible player that he was last year. And he really played one of the biggest roles in the Cavs just tanking in the first half of the season. What do you do if you're Isaiah Thomas and you're coming back from injury? I mean, the guy's on a contract here, and he expected to get the max from Boston. Boston, frankly, screwed him out of that max Played him to the point where he had to get surgery. That didn't need to be the case. Yeah. Um, they ran him into the ground. They abused him. And then they were like, oh, we don't want him because he's hurt. And they're <laughs> like, all right, now we can trade him because we're getting this awesome return. They would have been stuck with him. They couldn't have just traded him for nothing. Boston fans would have went nuts. Instead, they got Kyrie Irving. Of course, you're going to make that trade. Good for Danny Ainge. He looks brilliant. But Isaiah Thomas, when you're coming back from injury like that and you were an MVP candidate, arguably you should have been the MVP of course you're going to come back and be like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm going to come in here and like command the team. I'm going to be one of the leaders of the team. That's what I did in Boston. But nothing that he did back that up at all. No, nothing at uh, all. Isaiah Thomas, and this is not an exaggeration, was one of the worst players in the league this year. He had the worst net rating this season of all players who have played at least 16 games, which is how many Isaiah has played, and have played at least 20 minutes per game in those games. Yeah, but you got to look at the offense they're playing. I mean, you have Tyron Lue. They're not running an offense. They're running a LeBron show. But the, it's ISO all day. But the issue wasn't his offense. The issue was the defensive numbers when he was That's on the floor. That's always going to be an issue. So <laughs> he had the worst defensive rating of any player in Isaiah, NBA. Yeah, yes. He played 25 Congrats, minutes Isaiah. per game. Worst defensive rating of any player in not just this, this season, but league history. Yeah, good for him. Of a player who stood up for 25 games. Oh, it's just rough, incredibly man. awful. And the stark contrast between MVP candidate to a record for being the worst player in NBA history from a defensive standpoint is just unreal. I mean, but you know, he came back too soon from injury. I think people are overreacting to his performance in Cleveland. He's definitely somewhere in between MVP, where Boston built that whole team around him, and what he was this year. I mean, he's somewhere, if you look at his stats over the past, like his whole career, I mean, he improved for a couple years in a row. He had a great year in Sacramento in 2013-14. Um, had a had a down year with Phoenix and then bounced back with Boston in 15-16. And a down year meaning he was still averaging 16 points. His defensive numbers are always terrible. So and they always offense, will be. Always. So if, if you're integrating him appropriately offensively, you're going to be fine. He's going to be fine. I think the Cavs didn't use him right. They couldn't afford to use him right. They needed him back way sooner than he wanted, than maybe he wanted to be back, but way sooner than they should have allowed him to be back. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be fine. I, whoever gets him, if they're able to sign him on the three-year deal worth what Lou Williams got, they're going to get a steal because he's going to be able to score 20 points a game if he's playing 30 minutes. Do you have any thoughts about where he's going to go beyond this year? Because his contract is expiring. Do you think he'll stay with the Lakers? I, Do you think he'll sign somewhere else? Dude, I honestly think that the Lakers are such a mess. Or not a mess. I don't think they're going to be able to sign the free agents that they want, i.e. Paul George or LeBron James. And they're going to look around the room and be like, well, just like they did with Caldwell Pope and just like the Sixers did with J.J. Redick, they're going to be like, hey, we can give you one year for $20 million and let you take up our cap because we have to hit a certain minimum. Yeah. Um, I, I could see that happening. Otherwise, I think he's going to get a, a two- or three-year deal because he's going to want something short that he can kind of break out of. 
and be able to try and go after more money later. He could go so many places. I think he'd be great off the bench as a sixth or seventh guy. He, I know he doesn't want to hear that, but he's somebody who's he's a microwave. You know, you heat him up, and he's going to go for 20 minutes. He's going to get you 15 points. He could explode for 35 points. Yeah. Like, he's a good scorer. He just can't do anything else. I really hope for his sake that he doesn't follow the money this summer. I hope he follows um, a, situation. A, a situation and a team yeah. that will benefit him a lot. And it would be awesome to see, again, like maybe two years down the road if he's yeah. a sixth man of the year contender or something like that. Yeah. I'm pulling for him. And maybe he goes back to Boston, and he backs up Kyrie Irving on a short-term deal. I mean, they're not going to keep Marcus Smart. They're not going to pay him, so they'll have some money. Maybe they do something like that. We'll see. He could be a lot of fun behind them, although that's Rogier's minutes, so maybe they don't want to do that. They don't want to eat in. Rogier's been playing his ass off this season. Yeah. Um, they're, I think they're pretty committed to him at this point. Yeah. We'll see, though. I, th- I hope he gets a chance to prove who he is and to cement himself and get, get him some money. So we'll see what happens. Thomas's old teammate from the Celtics and the Cavs, uh, and Jay Crowder, is now on the roster with the Utah Jazz. And as of late, the Utah Jazz have been surging. Uh, they have nine straight wins as of Sunday night, and they're currently seated in 10th place in the West, which is only two games out of the playoffs. <laughs> so they're looking to make a push, and I'm assuming they're hoping that Jay Crowder is going to help them make that push. Mm-hmm. Now, they just parted with Ronnie Hood, and I would say that Ronnie Hood overall is a better player with more upside than Jay Crowder is. For sure, but I think Hood's restricted this coming year. They didn't want to pay him, and he's always hurt. He misses. I know we just praised Cleveland for all these trades, but there's a lot of injury risk with a couple of them, and he's one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were going to have to pay him, and they wanted to stick with him, Donovan Mitchell, and Gobert. They wanted to go with Gobert and Mitchell. They wanted to vote around Mitchell. Mitchell Mitchell is going to be a superstar. He's going to be incredible. He's on his rookie contract. Yeah. Um, They're leaving the door open. And what's funny is they're still competing while they're doing this. I mean, Ricky Rubio has been playing really well. This team has reinvented itself on the fly. And credit to Quinn Snyder and that coaching staff because they have Donovan Mitchell, who they stole in the draft. A couple people have him higher on the board, but not many. They got really lucky there. Donovan Mitchell, he's been working his ass off. They have Gobert. He has had some health concerns, but he's playing really well when he's in there. Best defensive player in the league. Best room protector yeah. in the league by far. Um, and Hood wasn't doing much for them. And so I don't blame them for moving on. It's a win-win, I think, for both teams. They're not going to... Jake Carter's on a decent deal seven million a year for the next two years yeah i mean i if he's anything what he was in cleveland you're not going to want him very long but he's not going to hurt your cap um even what he was in boston that last year was a little rough and that's i mean that's what a lot of the analysts were coming back with when they were doing that trade between boston and cleveland but i do really think that being with a fantastic coach like quinn snyder is really going to benefit jay crowder again bringing out the best of him quinn snyder i think He's up there, man. He's up there as one of the best coaches in the league. Yeah. You've definitely got to have Pop and Kerr and Brad Stevens kind of as the top three. Yeah. But I think Quinn Snyder is right there in the tier below them. Yeah. He's so innovative on offense. He's able to kind of tweak around an offense in accordance with any player that he's had on the roster so far. Dude, it's credit to their organization because they, they have stuck with him through some pretty thick times. And even right now, they're in 10th place, but they lost Gordon Hayward. You know, they've lost several key. They lost George Hill. Rudy Gobert has been injured recently. The Joe Johnson. Yeah, I mean, this team is staying afloat with I I would say half the talent that the Los Angeles Clippers have, and you see the Clippers in what ninth place? Are yeah. they in eighth yet? They uh, in Clippers are in ninth, and the yeah. Pelicans are in eighth. Uh, and they have they just don't have the same amount of talent, and they're competing, and they could arguably make it to the AC, especially with the way the Pelicans and the Clippers are playing. One more little shout out for the Jazz uh, is their GM Dennis Lindsay. 
He's drafted incredibly over the past couple of years. He found Rudy Gobert. He found Donovan Mitchell. He mm-hmm. found Gordon Hayward. He found a lot of these rotational players that the Jazz have. Yeah. One of the reasons that the Jazz were willing to part with Ronnie Hood was because of the play of Royce O'Neal. He was kind of a no-name guy coming into the league. He was the seventh-best scorer on the seventh-best team in the ACB last year. <laughs> and Dennis Lindsay randomly saw him play and was like, yep, this guy's a this definite guy's NBA yeah. player. We're going to sign him to a guaranteed contract yeah. and play for us. And now he's stepped up into Hood's role yeah. and is the reason they were willing to part with Hood because they didn't need Hood's production because of O'Neal. And just that story is just, it, it, it's the epitome of yeah. how great the yeah, Jazz great. organization is exactly. at developing these young players and finding talent. And, and listening to their scouts and listening to the people below them because the GM doesn't have time to be looking at somebody who's the seventh best scorer and the seventh best team in the ACB. So he's clearly listening to people around him. And he's going to those games and looking at that tape. So credit to him, credit to their team. Looking forward to seeing them in the future, especially with just yeah. how young they are. They have a lot of room to grow. Yeah, like okay. we've been saying about the Jazz like for the past like seven years, but they've changed so much. They, they were, have. It was a Paul Millsap, Al Jefferson, Gordon Hayward team, mm-hmm. and now it's a Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell question mark team. I know? really it's hope they don't become one of those teams who are consistently like two years away from being yeah, yeah. two years away. That's but, okay though. I mean, they're for for Utah to have that kind of buzz. I mean, what else are you going to do in Utah? They haven't had anything since Stockton Mailman. Yeah. So, I mean, they've had some good teams, but no, yeah, nothing that, that could compete. Wait, so let's go back to the Clippers real quick, because I want to talk about Lou Williams a little bit. All right. Because he signed this awesome deal with the Clippers. Instead of getting traded, right? Because everybody thought he was going to get traded, including us. I'm 100% sure. I still think he's going to get traded. Our entire podcast last week was about where Lou Williams is going to land, basically. We thought Lou Williams was going everywhere, to land on every everywhere, team man, in the everywhere. league. Dude, and yeah, so he re-signed with the Clippers on a three-year, $24 million deal. $8 million a year. What a great, great contract when you compare it to some of the contracts that are out there with Evan Turner, Tyler Johnson, James Johnson, even Jordan Clarkson. So many other two guards that are just getting overpaid. You have Kelly Olenek making a little bit more money. Man, so many of those people are on the heat. It's crazy. Um, so, like, good for the Clippers. I still think they're going to trade him. And good for Lou Williams for having a long-term deal. Hopefully they keep him for his sake. But I, like, I'm excited for him that he got, got some money. I wish he would have went to the Sixers. You know, that was my dream. I, w- I thought he was going to go there this offseason if he didn't make it, if he didn't get a, an extension. So I'm excited to see what that means for Lou Williams. I still think the Clippers are going to trade him, probably at the draft or in the middle of next summer or uh, season. Because his deal is so appealing. I'm so confused as to where the Clippers what are, are going to be doing? going. But that's so, a good asset, though. It it's is. a good asset. A lot of our conversation about the Clippers last week on the pod was just about what their direction yeah. is going to be. And we assumed they were going to make big moves. Fire sale. In, in this, yeah. Before this trade-up line to really change the schematics of where yeah. their future is going to go. They re-signed Williams before the deadline, a couple days before the deadline yeah. came through, and I still thought they were going to have a fire sale on the rest of the roster. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep Lou Williams around just for a little bit of stability, yeah. a little bit of relevance and whatnot. But they made no moves, and I'm I'm just still kind of shocked at as to where they are, and yeah. very just curious as to where they're going to go. And what are they going to do with Avery Bradley, who's expiring? DeAndre Jordan, like those people, unless they're going to do a signing trade. They're going to get nothing for them. You get nothing except for cap flexibility. And that's when you look at, and we, <laughs> we talked about the Blake trade enough, and his contract is terrible. But then when you look at the return, it's like, okay, you got cap flexibility. You know, that's, that's for the next year or two, that's really sad to see as a Clippers fan. Yeah. I think long term, it's going to work out for them in the, in the better. That Pistons deal is going to look a little rough a little later. <laughs> um, but man, right now, it's 
$39 million. <laughs> you're shaking. I mean, come on. They got Gallinari for the next three years. But uh, you're going to be shaking your head wondering, like, if I'm a Clippers fan, I'm like, what is going on right now? Because you're now you can compete for the eight seed. You're probably going to make the playoffs. I mean, I think they're going to beat out the Pelicans and the Jazz. They have a really good team. They don't have anybody who can – they're not going to scare anybody. But they have they have the best talent out of the, the those three those three and yeah. they just they have the most experience as well absolutely I mean the caps or the not the caps the yeah. Clippers organization been to the playoffs before yeah. so they're going to be able to make a run I'm interested to see what they do in this offseason and at the draft and if that Brooklyn pick comes back into play with the Clippers I am intrigued to also see how this Lou Williams deal kind of shapes the free agency market going forward the the cap exploded in 2016. Which led to a ton of these awful, awful contracts that we've already hinted on. Uh, there are many, many more that we could continuously talk about, where players are just making exorbitant amounts of money. We got to do a top fifty worst contracts. Like fifty <laughs> is not enough. Fifty times. isn't enough. There are too <laughs> many so around. Many. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm really curious to see if this Lou Williams deal, this eight million dollar a year deal for a really, really solid player, again, a player mm-hmm. who was a borderline all star this season. I'm really curious to see how that influences the market going forward. Is this yeah. is this going to be the the new place for contracts to land, or is this going to be an outlier? And are people still going to just be egregiously repaid? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I think there's a lot of teams that still have cap flexibility. Not as many nearly as there was last year or the year before, but there's probably still a good seven or eight teams that are going to have some max room. Um, and then you have Lou Williams, uh, an amazing contract. I mean, I think I think he's setting the market a little bit. But if you had said three years ago, you would have thought Evan Turner's deal. Everybody thought that deal was fine. Evan Turner's crazy ass deal. Everyone like, thought, oh, it's the, everyone it's thought the cap was going, going to keep going increasing, up. and yeah. that hasn't happened. No. And it's stabilized out. And Dude, the NBA wanted to like spread it out, and Michelle Roberts was like, "No, <laughs> fuck that. We're putting it all in right now." And now it's just like she has to be looking in the mirror and being like, "Shit, I fucked up." That's one person who should be fired. There's a ton of re-stabilization that needs to occur for it's the NBA as a whole. Years. It's going to take a long time yeah. for contract negotiations yeah. and deals to get back to normal, for payrolls to get back to normal. Yeah. We'll it's, see what happens. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a mess. I, no there's one has enough, an answer. There's but. enough bad contracts though that like you can you can make trades. Yeah, because there's so many and then, and bad strong. I mean, you have a lot a lot of young people on some of these deals, like four year, twenty million dollar deals. Cool, like. Twenty million a year, dollar deals. Like at least they're young. A lot, a lot of those contracts did come from players who were expiring from their rookie contracts. Yeah. So they were still in the 24, 25 yeah. year old range, and again, still had some flexibility to keep improving and yeah. keep escalating their play. It's just tough. I, I just keep thinking. I'm sorry. I keep coming back to the Heat. Like they have so much of their cap tied up in Tyler Johnson, James Johnson, and Kelly Olynyk. But they're a good team. They I mean, are. They're a good not going to be complete yeah. contenders in the East, but. They're being coached up by Spolstra. Absolutely. Um, and and again, they're movable they, assets. If they if Pat Riley got somebody to commit to them, he'd be able to move them with a first-round pick. Yeah. You know, like, they're fine. It's just, man, like, it's <laughs> a lot of money tied up in those people. And Kelly Linick was just signed last year. Yeah. You know, like, it wasn't we, that, knew, we, it wasn't knew, during the we knew this was coming. Yeah. Like, yeah. last year we knew this was coming. And now we're seeing the repercussions of some of the teams who, or the players. The players are seeing the repercussions, really. So aside from all this Cavs crazy movement that occurred, there weren't really many other deals that actually went through before the trade deadline. But one of the few deals that did happen uh, involved Alfred Payton, where he was traded from the Orlando Magic to the Phoenix Suns for a second-round pick. 
I don't think this is really going to be a landscape moving, <laughs> shaking kind of deal. But Darcy, like, what do you what do you think about this trade? What do you think this means for Peyton and the Suns and the Magic moving forward? Sure. I mean, so the Magic just wanted to dump his contract. They didn't want to pay him. He's um, a, he's going to be a restricted free agent this year. Yeah. For the Suns, I mean, it's a, it's a flyer, right? I mean, you're just sending out a second round pick. There's no harm, no foul here. Doesn't hurt them. It'd be fun to see him next to Devin Booker. He's the type of player that Peyton needs to be next to. I think. I mean, Peyton's a decent player. He can't shoot, but if you can get past that, he's a great you, passer. Yeah, if you have a team around him that can that can kind of work with him, he can be a starter on a really good team. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he molds with Devin Booker. And then if the Suns pay him, but the Suns, man, they need to make some moves here because they've been that they've been rebuilding team for a while. It's been too um, long, and that, I'm sure they're going to be a lottery team again. I can't remember if they have their own pick or not. I think they do. They do. So I'm hoping that that pick helps move them forward. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Peyton, if they sign him or not. Man, when Pey- when Peyton got drafted, the Sixers drafted him, and I was so pissed because they had Michael Carter Williams, and basically Michael Carter Williams is a six eight version of Peyton, or was, um, maybe not anymore. So I'm really excited, <laughs> really excited that he's not on the Sixers with Michael Carter Williams. So I'm glad they're both gone. It'll be cool to see what he's like with Phoenix, and I, I hope it works out for him. Phoenix actually does have, they have their own first round pick, which is going to be in the lottery. They're striving to be in the lottery this year. They're, they're just a team that's tanking. Even if they didn't want to be tanking, they would be because they're so young. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just can't, they can't win games, basically. But they also do have Miami's first round pick, which is going to be protected from one through seven. So they're getting that. Phoenix is going to get that pick this year. Miami is hoping to make a playoff push. Mm-hmm. And they also have Milwaukee's first round pick, which they received in the Eric Bledsoe trade. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the Sun, the Suns, they still have a ton of flexibility in terms of what they can get in the draft. Yeah. And although they have been rebuilding for a long time, mm-hmm. maybe this 2018 draft can kind of be the last push for them to yeah. kind of rise above just one of the bottom barrel teams in the league. For sure. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Phoenix is also one of those teams that's always looking for a superstar because you're, it's hard for them to sign somebody, right? Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to cash in those chips and actually make a push for a young talent who's on a good contract who could turn into that. Because that's a lot of first-round picks. And they, they already s- have a lot of first-round picks on their I mean, roster. they can still get a lottery pick and mm-hmm. also trade two other picks away for yeah. for a player. Like, they have so much yeah. kind of flexibility and capabilities. They'll um, be fun to see. Now I'm really excited. Yeah. I don't think they're going to pay Peyton, but, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, but these, these <laughs> but picks... no harm, no foul. These picks are even more reason not to pay Peyton. Exactly. Honestly. These yeah. picks are a reason not to tie him up and yeah. tie up your cap space. Yeah. But maybe he'll really show up over this last we'll kind of third of the season. I hope so. All right, let's talk about the this wonderful Devin Harris, Manuel Mudiay, and Doug McDermott trade, a three-team trade that sent Devin Harris from the Dallas Mavericks over to the Denver Nuggets to replace basically Jameer Nelson. And it also sent Emmanuel Mudiay over to the New York Knicks from the Denver Nuggets and Doug McDermott over to Dallas. So what do you have, what are your thoughts on that trade, Josh? This isn't going to be incredibly impactful for any team uh, within this deal. I think it's going to be most impactful for the for the Nuggets because the Nuggets are the most relevant team right now, at least in terms of playoff contention and teams that are actually performing yeah. um, close to the top of the league. The Nuggets have really needed some stability at point guard. They haven't really had a true point guard, and although Devin Harris isn't necessarily the true point guard that they were looking for, he is kind of a veteran presence that may be able to even out their roster and bolster either their starting lineup or their their like second lineup and some of the rotational players that they bring in. Yeah, he's um, not going to hurt you. No, you know, he's he's gonna he's only going to make your team better. 
he's he's a veteran presence as you mentioned. Um, so I like that move for Denver. I also really like I like this move all all the way around here um, because Dallas got rid of some cap room with Devin Harris and they got Doug McDermott. Doesn't hurt to have him. He's somebody who it'd be interesting to see what he what happens when he's under Dirk Nowitzki and what he learns from there. He was a lot of fun in college. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's not going to matter and he's going to be the same player, but we'll see what happens. And the Knicks receive Emmanuel Moutier basically for nothing. I mean, they're, you know, they got rid of Doug McDermott, who wasn't playing much for them. They weren't looking to him for the future. Yeah. Um, so they got a flyer on Emmanuel Moutier, who may just need to change the scenery and a team that isn't competing for a playoff spot to get a chance to really do, let's try out some things and see how he fits. Emmanuel Moutier is still really young. Uh, I believe he's still 20 or 21 yeah. years old. So young. He really needed a restart. Uh, Denver, Moutier. Even, <laughs> Denver even acknowledged that Moutier needed a restart. A lot of their training staff and a lot of their scouting department and whatnot have kind of come out and said, not that they failed Emmanuel Moutier, but they weren't able to bring the best out of Moutier. And I think moving Moutier along to a different team is almost just a little nod to him from the Nuggets to give him another chance because he's still so young and he's still has a lot of upside if you at least go back to when he was drafted Absolutely. three years ago. Is yeah, it- and you can see his numbers when he first started with Denver, and he was 19. He was averaging 13 points, right? And he was averaging 30 minutes a game. And then it went down to 25 minutes a game. And now it's at 18, right? He needs more playing time. He's so young. But his stats they- have gradually improved every season, I believe, right? No, like his they shooting decreased. Numbers. Did oh, they his, really? Uh, shooting numbers, his shooting numbers have increased a little bit. And I think the more opportunity, he, he needs opportunity. Yeah, he's so young. He need, he needs a chance, and instead, Denver was like, you know what? We're not going to be a bottom feeder. They wanted to compete on the fly, and they kind of just lucked into that draft pick, and they were they were kind of moving that way, and they were trying to now they're trying to compete. So they didn't make sense to have him. Well, Emilio Emilio was kind of <laughs> He was, believe it or not, he was a somewhat beloved player within the Nuggets franchise and within yeah. the fan base because for those fans, he was the beginning of this new youth resurgence yeah, and this absolutely. new youth core that yeah, the Jamal Nuggets Murray. brought in with Jamal Murray and uh, Jokic yeah. uh, Harris. and Harris and yeah. all these other guys that they've brought in as rotational players. So because he was kind of like signifying the start of yeah. this play, a lot of people liked him there, but he yeah. really does deserve a second chance. And it's going to be good for the Nuggets as well, again, yeah. having a veteran presence like Devin Harris. He's going to really be able to help that team much yeah. more than Moutier ever would. I don't want to book it, but I think three years from now we're going to say Denver just gave up on him for no reason. You know, They gave up on him to chase, to chase the chance to play the Rockets in the first round. But, I mean... But we'll see. We'll see. And that's worth it for them. It's worth they, it. You know? Because like, they, they weren't going to... Denver wasn't going to bring it out of the movie. Yeah. Denver wasn't going to be the answer for him. Yeah. So no, even, they, they even if he does chance, develop, so. like, yeah. it's not really a loss for them because they want to be able to make it happen. Yeah. For sure. All right. You want to talk about some buyout candidates now? I uh, think we should. What already has happened since the trade deadline has passed. Only really two buyout things have happened so far, and both of them have involved the Houston Rockets. Of course. Um, Houston signed Joe Johnson, who was waived and bought out from Sacramento. Uh, he went to Sacramento as he was mixed up within that three-team deal with the Cavaliers and Utah and Sacramento. And then Brandon Wright was also waived by the Orlando Magic. Memphis Grizzlies. By the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. So... Both these guys are, again, veteran players who were prime buyout candidates heading to the trade deadline. Joe Johnson was a buyout candidate before he even got traded to Sacramento. And now they both land on the Rockets. 
Darcy, what what do you think these two guys are going to be able to do with the Rockets? How do you think they're going to contribute to that team and help them moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the Rockets just keep getting better. They keep getting insurance policies. They keep getting all these assets. They've been doing this since they signed Jeremy Lin and Goran Dragic. And there was one other guy they signed on these weird back-end contracts. Ashik. Omar <laughs> Ashik. <laughs> Omar! Um, so they had all three of those guys on, on these great contracts as assets. And they were able to flip them into other assets. And they got James Harden because of it, right? And now that now they're in this position, they just keep... I mean, this guy, Daryl Morey's crazy, man. He just keeps getting all these players. And now they're in a position to compete for a championship. And they add Joe Johnson, who's still somebody who's capable of taking over a game at any point. Not the whole game, but he can take over a quarter. He can take over part of a quarter. A couple possessions. Like, that guy's awesome. Do you think that ISO Joe will be able to kind of fit into the he, he system was on that the, the Rockets have? He was on the Seven Second Suns. All right. With Steve Nash. I mean, he was perfect for that team. So he, he knows got what's hurt. Up. And then he took the money in Atlanta. Yeah. If he had stayed with that Suns team, they might they might have pulled one. I mean, they should have won a championship anyways. That team was amazing. They're and they, nasty. They had some bad... Joe Johnson one was a really bad thing for them, the Amari thing. They had some bad run-ins there. Um, so I'm excited to see him. I think he'll be fine. He's already played for D'Antoni. I'm sure he's really excited to be able to like get up and run like run up and down as fast as he can. You know, he's about <laughs> 36, 37. And probably excited just to play on a contender. Yeah. Uh, I know last, last year in the postseason, Joe Johnson. He was fun to watch. He was really fun to watch with the Jazz, and he really helped propel the Jazz through the first round of the playoffs yeah. for the first time in a long time for that Utah Jazz franchise. Absolutely. So I think he really showed that he can thrive in those like big time moments yeah. in the playoffs. He's always showed that. Yeah. And but it's he he kind of reemerged yeah. in that role last year, and it's going to be really cool to I'm see him, for him not only in the regular season but particularly in the playoffs. I can only imagine how excited he is to be on that team. And then they also got Brandon Wright, who is so underrated. He's somebody, he plays a lot like Clint Capella, so he's good insurance for that. He has a long wingspan, can block shots, affect shots. Um, he's going to dunk the ball. He's just, he's just an all-around good player. He's a good pickup for them. He's perfect for that second team that they're going to be running, probably with Joe Johnson. Uh, I, I see him fitting in seamlessly, both of them. And there's, there's a no-lose situation for the Rockets here. I think the big thing with that Brandon Wright signing is just how much he can mirror the play of Clint Capella. Yeah. Clint Capella has been playing out of his mind crazy. recently. He put up a 20 and 20 night. I think it was 25 20 or something a week or two ago. And, and what's the record with Clint Capella, Chris Paul, and James Harden? It's like 25 and they're like 1. They're like 25 and 1. Um, again, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I yeah. believe when they've had Harden and Capella and Paul all in together, they've averaged, their average victory is 13 points yeah, by 13 crazy. points. Like, that's yeah. wild. That nuts. It's, it's going to provide some insurance for Capella, and maybe it will allow him to kind of feel some less pressure as he keeps kind of yeah. contributing more and more to this team. Absolutely. So those are the two bio candidates that have already been signed. We have a couple other ones uh, we want to get to here. We have Derrick Rose, who was waived by the Jazz, which makes sense. Poor Derrick Rose, who is just a shell of himself. I personally think he should retire because he clearly doesn't want to play basketball anymore. I mean, he took time away from the Cavs earlier in the yeah. season because he wasn't sure if he wanted to play basketball yeah. and anymore. And that's okay. Just admit it to yourself. He's, he doesn't seem like he's in it. But he's been linked to signing with the Wizards, which I really hope for these hometown DC fans that he stays away. Because <laughs> I know John Wall's out right now, but Sadoransky has been playing out of his mind. And that team has been moving the ball so well. To have Derrick Rose go in there and just stop the ball... It would be a damn shame. Sadoransky has been one of my favorite players to watch. He's awesome. Every time we go to the I'm game, not, we're like, we're like oh, Sadoransky! I'm not saying that he's not, he's not like one of the best players in the league. He's but one he's... of the best players. <laughs> Mark it on this podcast. One of the best players. Him and TJ McConnell are just unstoppable. Oh, they're definitely. I mean, dude, I mean, all NBA. All NBA. Yeah. One of some of the best scores off the bench in the league. Yeah. 
regardless of the jokes, uh, Sadoransky has been one of the most enjoyable players to watch because he's been just playing so well in comparison to the opportunities they set before. This is the first time with the injury of John Wall that he's had a great opportunity yeah. to actually show some of his skill sets, he's been and he's utilized it. And some of the big things for him is that you've just kind of seen him develop over the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And although he's doing great things, he's also doing a lot of things that are mess-ups. Yeah, absolutely. But, but that's every, good. every time he's messed up, he's yeah. immediately kind of forgotten from that, yep. forgotten about that or learned from it, and then immediately proceeded to do something else yeah. that was great. And the so more he's, they did... Oh, he's, he's fought through the adversity, and I think that's really cool to see for sure. just that development in such a short time and the more they develop him the better it's going to be for their long-term success because that team is strapped they're not adding anybody and they're, but their starting five is excellent as we discussed last week like if you keep this team together you need people to develop like Ubre and Sadoransky and this guy is just developing like crazy I feel like he's out there playing he's like playing 2k <laughs> you know like he's like oh yeah I did this before you know like oh it's PlayStation I got like, this. oh yeah <laughs> Yo, I swear I've made this before. you know like that's yeah. how he's playing and it's so fun to see so I'm glad he's getting a chance. Wizards, do not sign Derek Rose. Stay away. Derek, get your shit together. Figure out what you want to do. If you're in for basketball, put yourself all in. Because last year he had a great season. Yeah. You know, he shot. He's, he still shot really well. He can still score. He scored 18 or 20 points a game. He, he can't defend, but he's never been able to defend since that knee injury. Mm-hmm. So I, if he comes back, I hope he comes back full swing and he's like ready to commit. But I hope it's not with the Wizards. The Wizards are really struggling in a point guard right now, though. Again, John Wall... He had knee surgery and is going to be out for the next six yeah. weeks at least. One of their backup point guards under Sadoransky, Tim Frazier, recently broke his nose in a game. He needed surgery to yeah. restructure like the bones in his face. <laughs> Sadoransky had a pretty nasty fall in a recent game against the Bulls. It was in the concussion protocol for the Wizards. I thought that was in 2K. <laughs> <laughs> Not in 2K. This, this Bobby Portis went yeah. in for a block against Sadoransky, and I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, yeah. but it was a pretty bad foul, and Sadoransky's head just blatantly nailed the floor. He was yeah, out for the rest of the game. That. Again, he was in concussion protocol. It was a not a good situation, but it highlights the injury struggles that the Wizards have had at that point guard position. Mm-hmm. So if they don't sign Derrick Rose, which they shouldn't, I think they do need to look in some other options to yeah. maybe shore up that spot within their roster and to just keep them working and able to play with a full roster moving forward. You know what team would be fun if Derrick Rose is going to be signed somewhere? And he's not been linked to this... So I don't think it's going to happen. The San Antonio Spurs. He might be able to thrive there. I think Popovich could help him guide his career back into a place where he can compete. He can be healthy. Um, they have a good training staff. But I, and, he, and he could like you know be be in that for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Make one last take over run. a game. Uh, so I I hope he gets a chance. I hope it's with the right team and the right coaching staff. I don't yeah. think the Wizards are the answer. If anyone could kind of flip a switch in Rose's mind yeah. and make him it's start college. passing the ball and moving <laughs> it around, it's gonna be pop. Yeah. So well, again, it forces you to play in that system. You know, it'd, it'd be cool to see him like actually succeed again. He was so fun when he was younger. Talk about somebody rising and falling. I mean, there's only, it's only a matter of time to we have a thirty for thirty on both of them. Or Isaiah Thomas. and Rose, yeah. yeah. And hopefully it's a rise for Thomas. I think Rose is going to be is it. And what could have been, I mean, what the numbers he had when he was younger. I mean, they were talking about him and Westbrook as the most explosive guards ever. And I thought Rose was more explosive. And then he got hurt. But, I mean, that guy was a freak. That guy was dunking over everybody. It, I went back and watched some highlights recently of old Derrick Rose with the Chicago Bulls. And I, for, I, I forgot how crazily athletic he was. I forgot how skilled he was with the mm-hmm. ball despite flying around and moving so quickly. That Bulls team, when Rose was healthy with 
with Rose and Joakim Noah and some of the other pieces they had, they were supposed to be one of those teams a couple years ago that were going to really give LeBron just a run and some yeah. challenges. Oh, the amount of teams that have fallen to LeBron <laughs> is insane. But, Sadly, Derrick Rose yeah. has been one of them. Yeah. All right, so we got a couple more buyouts we want to talk about. I think Brooke Lopez, not sure what the state of his buyout is, but I do think when he is bought out, he's somebody who could really help a team. I mean, he's somebody who's capable of averaging 20 points and 10 rebounds. Defensively, he's flawed, but he's somebody who could who could really make a difference in this playoff push. Where do you think he's going to go? I have no idea where he's going to go. <laughs> uh, I know last week we somewhat compared him to DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. his skill set, not no, in, not yeah, in the, not in the it, way yeah. that he no. can play, but his skill set mirrors Demarcus Cousins in that he yeah. can stretch the floor as a center, and that he can kind of put the ball on the floor a little bit as well, yeah. even though he's crazy slow <laughs> and moves in slow motion with the ball. He'd be a lot of fun on the Pelicans or the yeah, on the Pelicans team. But Pelicans already made their moves though. The Pelicans have yeah. no flexibility to be able to sign him. They got they could always sign somebody on a minimum contract, and I think that's the contract that Brook Lopez will be looking for going into the buyout market. What would you think of the Cavs signing Brook Lopez? I don't think they would at this point. Just for point. funsies? I mean, they, that would go against kind of their youth movement. Yeah. That would go against the idea of them being athletic. Moscow <laughs> was not ideal for any team ever. But um, they traded away two first-round <laughs> picks for him. You know? I don't know. I don't know where Lopez shows up. Yeah. I, I do know that the Lakers are in a weird situation because they're trying to build their young their young players for the future. They're trying to build, or I guess, tear down their cap space for the future so they can sign some players. But they're also in a kind of weird conundrum with their first-round pick this year, because it is set to be traded to the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. But the protections on that pick are for slot number one in the draft and for picks six through 30. Mm-hmm. So in order for the Lakers to get this pick they need to either have the first pick or they need to have the sixth pick or yeah. or or lower in the draft. Lower, higher, however you want to phrase that. Mm-hmm. So again, they kind of I think the Lakers need to evaluate do they need to keep winning to be projected into <laughs> But they're already not place. playing Brooke Lopez. He's playing. Yeah. He's playing he doesn't play the fourth quarter. He starts okay. for them though. He plays yeah. significant minutes, I believe. Like twenty or twenty five. You know, it'd be fun to see him on I'm now I'm just really projecting here. What if he was on the Warriors? That could be fun. Because he can shoot threes. He can shoot threes. Um, he can't defend. But their team defensively is so good. I feel like Brooke Lopez is a smart man. He played at Stanford, right? Like You have yeah. to think that he's going to be able to get to the right spot. But I haven't he, watched enough Brooke Lopez to know if he can. But He does kind of go against, again, the just the <laughs> ideology of the, of the Thunder, though. Um, the Warriors of the Warriors. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know. He just he can't he can't switch on anything defensively. Yeah. He's not the Warriors. Also, one of the things that pride themselves in having athletic Being guys that flexible. can move, who can be flexible, yeah. and and Lopez just isn't that. Yeah. I love Lopez as a player. Uh, it's not always fun to watch him. Sometimes it is somewhat <laughs> excruciating, even when he does great things. But it's really going to be something that's interesting yeah. to watch as we move forward. It will be because I, mean, I think he can really help somebody. Make Toronto, the Wizards. Like some of these, the Wizards could be kind of. Wizards would be a nice landing spot. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely better offensively than Gortat is at this age. I feel like he's capable of sending a screening roll. <laughs> I mean, Gortat's one of the best screeners in the league. That's I mean, why he's making thirteen million dollars awesome. a year. Hey, hey. <laughs> Him and Mahimbi. Mahimbi sets the best screens from the bench. I mean, there's nothing like seeing <laughs> Mahimbi from the bench doing that. All right, moving on. One of the I think last buyout candidates that have been um, 
talked about throughout the league is Tony Allen. Did you know that Tony Allen's nickname is the Grindfather? Yeah, he started that revolution in, with the Grizzlies. I actually, I had no idea. Yeah. I never heard that before. And I was doing some research and I saw, Dive the, I saw the Grindfather yeah. a lot. And I was like, what the hell is this? He created that culture with the Grizzlies. And it's really sad to see him and Zach Randolph and even Vince Carter away from that team. But, I mean, they did the right thing. Tony Allen defensively can still play a little bit, but he never offensively could do much. He is, a, I think he'd be great on somebody like the Thunder, picking up the slack for Roberson. But I like, I would like the Thunder to see what they could do with their younger guys and see if they can develop them. So I don't know if Tony Allen's the best fit there, but if they're trying to win this year and only this year and forgetting about developing those players, he could be a nice fit. It might be worth bringing him in. He has been waived already by the Chicago Bulls. Uh, so he is out there. You don't need to wait for yeah. him to be bought out. He's already been bought out. So at this point, I He's think, been flat out waived. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah waves Friday, February 9th. Yeah. So he's out there for the taking if a team wants him. He yeah. might not end up anywhere. Maybe teams are evaluating him and are just realizing that yeah. he's past the point of being able to contribute. But yeah. the grind, maybe, maybe the grindfather will make one more resurgence. I hope so. Because he was a lot of fun. He was. Yeah, he can really lock some people down. Maybe you show up at the Spurs, you know? <laughs> Spurs can just get all <laughs> these old guys. Hey, let's just bring him in and see what happens. <laughs> what the hell? Popovich is down. Is there anybody else you want to talk about for a potential buyout market? I don't think so, Darcy. Yeah, I, I think can't think of gonna, anybody. I think it's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Last Guys Off the Bench. Yeah. Uh, again, we recorded this on Monday, February 12th. Shouts out to Bill Russell. Happy birthday to Bill Russell. Uh, shouts out to you. Happy birthday, Josh. <laughs> My birthday as well. Yeah. Thank you, Darcy. Wouldn't want to spend my birthday doing anything else other than recording this podcast. That's right. Happy to have you here, man. So for anyone who is listening, we are on iTunes now. Hey. So search for us on iTunes. Uh, you will also be able to find us on SoundCloud or wherever else we post our podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll be coming back at you next week after we post this show on Wednesday. So, so tune in. Enjoy the NBA and just have a great week. Have a good one, guys. Peace out. Mm. You guys stop that. <laughs>